Welcome to the Heavy Hole. My name is Tom. I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle. I don't need no hateration up in this dancery. God bless Mary Do Blush. Well, I love that gotcha. a lot. I really do. Um, I listened to, I, I heard En Vogue's uh, Hold On today. Oh. And the whole thing was Hold On to Your Love. Inspiring. That's great. I like the Sade uh, version of "Hold On to Your Love" a little bit better. I Ooh. think uh, I think it, I think it hits a little bit more. Compare uh, and contrast. Can't really dance to it, but I'll. Fi- I mean, I could. Fi- I found a way. I think you I'll can find dance. a way. You know, I, we both know you. Can yeah, dance we'll find a way. But how how you guys doing, man? Heavy hole podcast. Smooth, welcome, listeners. Out. <laughs> welcome in. Welcome to the heavy hole podcast. Happy we're Friday. Smoothing it out for you weekly. You know, in my head, I was thinking I would like to up. The excitement at the top of it. Get more metal Whoa. as we but like do yeah. the power metal scream into it, like do oh, Eternal oh Champion, like <laughs> But you guys took it the opposite direction. Yeah, I, what's I, up, metalheads? Happy Friday. How you guys doing out there? <laughs> yeah, well, what's up, motherfuckers? We're ready to give you some sick riffs. Are you sick enough? I don't think so, poser. Put the middle finger, the two middle fingers in your hand up and show me them horns, and then with those horns, press your phone and turn the volume all the way up right now. It's the heavy old podcast. Yeah, yeah, bless Creator on the highway. Oh, I'm going to take both fingers and shove them down my throat and vomit because I'm metal sick. Let us know what kind of intro you want to hear. Hell yeah, dudes. We're going to go round and round right now with the whole history of heavy metal, dude. Yeah. Guys, pick, guys. Your, pick your own intro. All right, listen. Everybody calm down. Everybody cool out. It's heavy old podcast. Off the rails within the first minute. Jesus Christ, get it together. All right, well, how do we usually do this? Starting well, back it, to Earth. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how we usually do this. <laughs> because I got something very unusual, all right, that I want to talk about. All right. Shout to Horned God Cultivation. That's with a K. Horned God Cultivation. Uh, peep them out. All my horticulturally motivated people out there, maybe you're a gardener. Maybe you appreciate the fact that recreational marijuana is legal in New York State now for undisclosed reasons, allegedly. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the fine folks over there at Horned God Cultivation sent me this beautiful Orc Christ, um, kind of like Dungeons and Dragons-themed Orc Christ. Um, uh, where's that little fly? I don't, I don't want to get this wrong. Read the copy, yeah. Will. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it, well, this is a, um, it's a one to two fluid ounces per gallon of H2O. So this is a, con- like a uh, what do they call that? Concentrated, concentrate. yeah. concentrated fermented probio- probiotic soil nutrient. Orc Christ is a fermented probiotic soil nutrient that utilizes allium vegetables for their high concentration of volatile sulfur-based compounds to help fruiting plants produce more aromatics and terpenes. Mm -hmm. But it will help any soil-based plant with increased digestion and productivity. Be careful opening. Do not drink! There you go. This is not for either of you alcoholics to drink, guys. Promo code HEAVYHOLE gets 20% off. No, that's not... That's I'm not, practicing. That's not, that's not I'm true. practicing for they, future. They don't, reads. they don't have a. They, they don't. No, they sent us this for free. This is honestly a. Uh, this is an experimental read. Usually, we charge one thousand dollars a second. Yes. We're talking yeah. about your product. But yeah. So we could buy the convulse demo. Right now, we're, right now we're doing it on good faith. We want yeah. to give this guy a shout out. Yeah, well, you send I'll, us some awesome stickers. You send us some uh, shirts. You know. You, we, well, yeah, we got the we got the stickers. We got a very beautiful shirt. Um, we allegedly got some beautiful seats. Uh, and I'm going to show you guys on my. Uh, we're going to go to the Heavy Hole Podcast IG Live. Uh, we're going to go on TV there. And I'm going to mix up a batch of this and we're going to feed the jalapeno peppers. I'm even going to do a test and a control. Mm-hmm. That's right. I got you on the spot, Horn God. We're going to do a test and a control of two potted jalapeno plants. And I'm going to show you in a few months 
what the results are. So I'm very curious, man. You guys know I've been talking a lot of shit about my potatoes and my jalapenos and wah, 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 Will's a gardener. I don't know um, what those are. Yeah, uh, no Horn God's listening, paying attention. They're trying to supplement me in that venture, and I appreciate it. So shout out to them. I got a beautiful package this weekend. Other than that, uh, the most patriotic thing I could do to celebrate my freedom on the 4th of July, I had a beautiful day off of work. I had a 12-hour shift the prior day, so I had the day off, a little fried. I, I'm not lying. I celebrated my freedom by listening to all Finnish death metal, classic Finnish bands. Okay. Um, Makes and I read sense this, on the show. Yeah, I I know it's weird. I read I read that Finnish death metal book. Uh, really enjoyed it. Not getting paid, but they they didn't send me anything for free. Unlike Horned God Cultivation, big shout. But yeah, that Finnish death metal book was great. I just I, that's truly how I spent my Fourth of July, um, celebrating my uh, freedom to enjoy Finnish death metal in my uh, the the comfort of my bedroom. Not really what picnicking or barbecue. It, I, that's I did my thing. You did it. Yeah, I yeah. drank a lot of coffee. That's good. Yeah, yeah that, that was go. me. I did me. Okay. So, Justin, I'm, I'm looking at you for the more pickup truck variety of 4th of July. <laughs> How was your weekend? Yeah, it's great. Uh, started my 4th of July off. I went fishing. I went fluking. There we go. Thank you. You know what I mean? I'm trying to get that fluke. I uh, went with a couple of good brothers. Um, my boy Andy uh, pulled up a damn near 10-pound fluke. On the uh, the James Joseph out of uh, Huntington, New York. Oh yeah, nice little charter beautiful, boat. There. Beautiful thing. Oh. And then uh, he came over, uh, visited my grill later on, and uh, we oh, cooked boy. that sucker up, and we listened to John Mellencamp. Wow, and, wow, uh, that is the Fourth of July right. that I'm glad you had, and I'm glad I had the option to do my own way. I'm glad that yeah, both we exist. Do, we do it. I had a, a cigarette yeah. in one side of my mouth and sparkler constantly going on the other side yeah, of my mouth. That's great, and uh, and we had a good time. We um, nice. Also, real American. Uh, the Hulk Hogan entrance music was playing constantly. The anthem. Not only in my head, but then I would let other yeah. people inside yeah. and play it out loud on the speakers. I understand there's a petition going to replace our current national uh, anthem with that. Send me the link. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Send me the link. I'll steal identities yeah. to sign that, to get those numbers up. Yeah, I, I will get somebody pregnant just to add another signature. There on you there. go. Watch out. There you go. Watch a lot, out. lot of re- weird words in the current one, like Ooh. or. Mm. Were you playing Catan? No, there's no or. There's no or. We're not here. doing this. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a great. It was you know a good fourth. I don't say great. It was uh-huh. good because my friend caught a fish and not me. Mm. But it was a good one, and uh, and we did it. You know, we uh, we held it down. We owned our land. We paid our taxes. Uh, we also have a lot of complaints. That's the American way. Yeah. Um, Tom, how how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, <laughs> I really am. Uh, Will, did you take off next Saturday for my engagement party? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm just getting ready for that. <laughs> uh, okay. So that's what my week's been. All right. I just want to touch base with you there. Hell yeah. Dude. What time does show. that start since four. you got me on the spot on At the four. podcast? Don't worry. We, you okay. can say whatever you want right now. <laughs> that's right. 4 o'clock. To everybody listening to this, this will have been at 4 o'clock on if, a different day. If you're a time traveler. And you can find me, yeah. come to my party. If you're an observer from the uh, hit Fox show Fringe. Yeah. Which was, a, was all right. It was all right. I'm planning an uh, engagement party with a bartender at the bar. Big place. Doing it big. Lots of uh, Brazilian foods to be eaten. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of drinks to be made. Uh, yeah, that, that's it. I'm just planning a lot. So you're engaged. I'm engaged. I already said this once on the show. <laughs> I need to rub it in. 
<laughs> that's stop, it, really. Stop that's all I got, in. guys. Stop rubbing it in, Tom. I know you didn't go to any weddings this past weekend. No, I this didn't. is great. Definitely not, not nothing political no, nothing, at all nothing, this weekend. This is good. That's how I've been. Amazing. Yeah. Without any further ado, let's move away from weekends. A guy that's been married to the game as long as I've known him, uh, Mike Zancelli from Paragon Records, also of the band Dimensionon, who's got a brand new album coming out. I uh, objectively am a big fan of it, even though I've known the guy for longer than I've uh, been uh, added to uh, diapers. But <laughs> still, it's a great album. We've had him on the show once before. Uh, we got into his whole background, biographical history of Long Island death metal. Uh, so we've been engaged to Mike for a while. We've been engaged with him. Tonight, we're going to seal the deal, bring him back on. Uh, just to talk about an update, what's been going on with the band, some setbacks maybe during the pandemic. Now they got the brand new album cooking. There's some people there from some other cult metal bands you might know about. I don't know. We're going to get into it. Fantastic. Yeah, tip his bartender. I do. Big Will from Heavy Hole Podcast. By my side, my loyal co-host Justin and Tom, as Hello. always. And tonight, joining us by phone, again, returning to the Heavy Hole Podcast, my old friend Mike Zancelli of Paragon Records and Dimension On. How are you, Mike? I'm good, guys. How are you guys doing? Great. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, we're, everybody's good, man. We're chilling and trying, trying to uh, withstand this thunderstorm. Of course, we call up Mike from Dimension On, and Long Island gets hit by a perilous thunderstorm. <laughs> downpour it's crazy man but um, yo will back in the day every time back in the forgotten days it used to rain every show we played for like i don't know how many shows in a row but every show we played it rained wow <laughs> i remember going out to crawdaddy's in the rain once or twice i believe man yeah it's rained very uh, almost every show early on i don't know when it stopped but it went on for a while <laughs> wow man that uh, yeah you we're already with the old school. Just for the listeners, man, we're encouraging everybody, of course, to go back and listen to the first episode where you kind of gave a biographical account of growing up on Long Island and getting into heavy metal as a kid and the beginnings of uh, The Forgotten, which would go on to become Dimension On uh, and that whole thing. So people could listen to that. Um, but, you know, we, we're bringing you back in particular now in a timely fashion because... You're about to release, I guess, the, the fourth album with Dimension on, the fifth album overall of the band, because there was that name change. If I got that right, Dreaming Yugoth, right? Yeah, I believe you say it right, because that's how I say it. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah, well, well, yeah, like I said, that first episode, you go over the history, and you've really been, um, as, as, as you've explained and as we're going to explain, kind of like the... Uh, the, the, the stand-up um, member of the band that's kept the flag going uh, all these years. And you're finally back uh, just about 10 years later. I can't believe it's been 10 years since Collapse the Void, your last album. Um, and you're finally back with this, with this new album with a kind of an updated lineup. It's not a completely new lineup because you got Joe uh, Fagarazzo, who people might know from Rigor Sardonicus still, right? Yes, Joe came back into the fold, which was nice. Yeah, and he's on your first album as Dimension On, but not Collapse the Void, the second one, right? No, he's, yeah, he's on Seven Suicides. He's on The Split, obviously, with Rigor. Mm -hmm. And he's also on uh, Hassanis. 
he's on that as well. Yeah, and I uh, if I if I am I not am I not mistaken he played guitar and bass on this album, this new album? He did. Yeah, and what I wanted to ask you is it's been 10 years. I know you've had a lot of lineup situations. You've had people in and out of the band. You've played a show here or there. You finally got something a little more solid you recorded this with. Uh, tell me about the writing for the material on this album. How does Joe factor into that? Does some of the songs predate him coming back into the band? What, what's up with that part of it? From what I know of it, from just you know, from Joe's side, from what he told me, is that uh, from his last band that he was in, he had some stuff that was written that I guess they never really worked on, was from my understanding. So he kind of had a lot of ideas. And he also actually took one song from the last band that they recorded, which was Techlock Vovin, mm-hmm. and he brung it to Dimension On because he envisioned the song differently than the way Techlock Vovin um, presented it on one of their releases. So he wanted to take that song, and um, you know that, that that was an agreement that the band made, and he took that song, and it's on Dreaming Yugoth, uh, which is Hard Discorded Majesty. And the other songs that he did write were songs that I believe he wanted to use uh, for Techlock Vovin, but I'm not sure. But it was stuff that really he wanted to get out. That that I know for a fact. Okay, and it's interesting to me because, Joe, like I said before, Joe, he's not just a brand new member to, to, to Dimension On. He's, you know, even if he wasn't in the band at certain points back in the day, he was always around your crew of people. He was always been familiar with the band. Like you said, he was on those first two albums. Uh, the split was with Rigor Sardonicus, his band. He's always been there as part of the fold. And just knowing you guys personally and your crew of friends, I kind of see him as part of the band, whether he's an active member or not, in a way. Um, and for him to come back now, having had that experience being in Telok Vovin, um, and come back kind of like uh, with his imagination and his ideas to Dimension On, he already knows what Dimension On is and knows what it's about. So he's kind of applying his ideas back into it. Uh, and th- that's interesting, too, because for the listeners, you, you explained a little bit, and we also had uh, in your first episode, and we did a whole episode with Greg Lehman of Telok Vovin, and yeah, there, I heard about that. Yep. Yeah, there's there's a whole history between um, uh, the two bands there, and kind of like Long Island is known for suffocation and death metal and everything like that. But there is a kind of undercurrent of dark and black metal that both bands play a part of. So it's just really interesting to me as a listener, as a fan, that there's that connection there. And to speak of Joe Fagarazzo's uh, presence in the band, what I'm getting at too is you you were kind enough to send us kind of a preview of the album to listen to, and I did. And um, it's funny for the listeners to hear me say objectively I like it because they know I've known you for like almost 25 years, Mike. But I, <laughs> I, I really I enjoyed what was going on. And if I had to say something... It sounds like Dimension On. It's that typical brand of, of dark, kind of blackened, uh, old-school metal that we know you for. But it is fairly progressive, and I think that might be with the addition of uh, Don from Evoken. That's Don Zaros, if I got his name right, on keyboards, who people might know from his work with Evoken. And it seems like Joe has this streamlined vision for what he wants to do with bass, rhythm, and lead guitars. And Don just comes in and accentuates that atmosphere in, a, in like such a uh, com- like a holistic fashion, I guess, organic fashion. Yeah, no, I would agree, man. Um, Joe was very focused 
what he wanted to do musically, and even some of the ideas, you know, lyrically that he that he brought. He was very focused on what he wanted. He kind of left the arrangements to me as the vocalist, but like the lyrics, he was really set what he wanted, and I did the best I could. I pretty much delivered for the most part what he wanted. I think there were some like little like nuances and stuff like that, but he was satisfied. And then you had Don. I mean, you know, he's a musician, man, where he knows how to. It's not like, look at me play the keyboards, what can these keys add to what's already going on in the song? And if you really listen to Don's keys, that, that's what he does. And I really, we've always had keyboards going back to the forgotten days, you know, and we've not always had a full-time keyboard player, but that atmosphere has always been with us. And when, you know, Don's a longtime friend and supporter, even of Paragon Records as well, and, you know... It was actually Dave, uh, who used to be in a Bazagorath and Funebrarium, who was in Evoking with Don, and I know Dave for years. He's like, man, he's like, why don't you join up with Mike? <laughs> you know, you guys oh. seem, you get along really well. Um, Dimensionon seems to not be going forward the way they need to be, which was unfortunately true with the lineup we had at the time. And uh, it just worked out, man. And Don really, you know... He's a musician, man. He's not like, you know, look at me, you know, what can I add to these songs? And yeah. his keys totally deliver that. And Don wrote two songs for the record as well. And he, he's very similar to Joe, where he's really focused on what he's looking to do. And he can work with you to bring it out. So, you know, it went, to me, man, it was, it was fast-paced for me, man, for the last 10 years, I can tell you that. Huh. Well, the the album reflects that again. Like, I, I really feel like there's something to be said, because I know, because also I know Joe. I've worked with Joe in the past in different situations. He's recorded my vocals. I've been in band situations with Joe, and I love Joe to death. He's a great guy, a great brother, but he's an intense person, and he yeah. and he is focused, and especially musically, he knows what he's doing and he knows what he wants to do. And the idea of him being responsible, like like I said, for not for for bass, rhythm, and lead guitars, uh, it let him go nuts. It's his playground. I love that, and I think it worked so well with Don, a seasoned musician, like you said, not all about adding himself to the spotlight, but giving the song what it needs. It works, and it added, like I said, may, I don't know if, if you would like to like the word progressive. I'm not saying you sound like yes. But in terms of dimension on for <laughs> nothing you, wrong with them, you know. I'm yeah, not, yeah, I yeah. Respect them. I've never been a fan, but hey, man, they're top musicians. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's just there. Yeah, like there's this element of kind of finesse in the composition and songwriting, and also like I know dimension on going back just from being friends with you guys and being around locally. But um, there's this kind of old school death metal, traditional black metal sound you guys uh, are generally stay in. And this, to me, seems almost like there's elements of funeral doom. I was even, uh, what, what what was this, the song? Was it um, a little bit from the title track, but also, uh, was it was it Through the Sea? The, the... Uh, I got it right here in front of me, so I'm trying to. The Smoke Rising, uh, the Beyond ri the Scree? Is Beyond that the, the Scree, I'm about? sorry, I'm trying to look. Beyond the Scree. Yeah, those songs, there's a melodic component. It's almost like a ballad type of thing. And it, and you end up sounding with something that sounds like somewhere between like Funeral Doom or even like uh, almost a typo-negative atmosphere going on. Oh, that's interesting, man. I mean, definitely, I mean, like you said, you know the history of the band. We definitely have, like, I guess that black death metal 
tinge, but we'll take in anything that we think fits. So, um, you know, to say that it's got typo negative, I personally have never followed them, but that doesn't mean it won't necessarily pop up in a dimension on record. <laughs> well, I think it speaks to how Don um, puts the keyboards over uh, more doomy, you know, dirgy metal compositions maybe too in an atmospheric way more than a... You know, like like you said, kind of like a showboating way, man. It, it it fits very well. So, but but the last time we we had you on the show, you were talking about the lineup you had at that point. I'm pretty sure that was um, younger musicians from from Long Island here, a lot of whom have parted ways with the band. But one that stayed is Matt Haas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's your drummer on this album. And I've known him locally from being in a few bands, and he set up shows here. He's been involved in the metal scene here on Long Island for a while now. And I gotta say, he definitely like grew um, a lot as a drummer for this album, to, to, especially to hang with Joe. Tell, was there? Uh, I just want to get maybe a little insight into the dynamic of Matt being in the band as a younger musician, playing with you guys who are from a different generation, especially Joe, who's no pun intended rigorous as a as a rehearser and recorder. Yeah, I mean, Matt, we definitely pushed him. You uh, know, he he even said to me one time, he's like. Uh, he was like, Mike, he's like, do you expect, you know, do you expect more out of me than everybody else? I think actually his words were, you push me harder than everybody else. I said, yes, I do. Because <laughs> I said, I know Joe and Don will deliver. And I said, until I feel that from you, I said, I, and I said it's not just going to be me. I said, you may be getting it from Don, or you may be getting it from Joe. I said, dude, you know, this is not a garage band, man. We really are trying to do this, you know, Will, you know the story. It's like, where can it go? Who knows? But let's put in 110%, you know? And we pushed him hard, and he stepped up. I remember, I still have it in my cell phone, man. Uh, Joe got together with him just to work on what some of the songs would be on Dreaming Yugoth. And, um, you know, Joe voice texted me back, because I was really nervous about it, man. And he was like, man, he's like, and I still have it on my phone. He's like, man, I'm impressed. He's like, he really is stepping up. And, you know, I think there were some up and downs along the way, just as a band can go. But the one thing I'll say, Matt, you know, I mean, dude, he was three months old when we formed the band. That's just one thing right there, you know. And, uh, you know, Don's 49, Joe's 47. I just turned 46. Mm -hmm. Matt just turned 26. (laughs) <laughs> but um, it's not as uncommon hungry. nowadays. And Matt yeah. fits into that. Yeah. It's like I want to. We all come from very different backgrounds, of course. But as long as you have the hunger and the drive to make it work, you know, dude. I never say, "Oh, this is the lineup to the end," because I thought our first lineup would be that. I've been through so many lineup yeah. changes, but you know, I'll say to anybody, I'm like, the lineup is not perfect, but I'm like, we work really well together and you know let's just go forward from here but uh we definitely pushed them and you know matt delivered yeah i just because that's that you know that's the dynamic i'm getting at is that you guys are much more seasoned musicians who've been around the underground longer than me uh even and um you know matt i've seen coming up as a younger but it's not uncommon nowadays especially in this day and age where the the nostalgic bands of years past are getting such shine from the younger generation. You have twenty something year old kids 
that are agreeing with the 40-something-year-old guys. Like, yeah, autopsy. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, death. You know what I mean? Like, it's there's not really that big generation gap anymore because all the, all the old stuff is kind of new again in a, in a weird way. So the generation gap is metal is weird. Like, I don't think you would see rap groups or, like, I don't know, garage pop rock type of bands where there's, like, a bunch of 40-year-old dudes and a 20-year-old dude that commonly. I, maybe I'm wrong. No, I think you definitely make a point. I mean, I even had Matt here helping me out with some stuff, and he was listening to Gorguts considered dead on his phone, mm-hmm. and you know, which is classic to us, Will. You know, yeah. and uh, he was like, you know, I know he likes some of the newer bands like Magula. You know, they would definitely be considered like a newer black metal band by today's standards. And uh, but he said the Gorguts considered dead. Considered dead. He's like, dude, this is like the best some of the best stuff right here. I said, yeah, man, that's my generation. <laughs> like, you, like you're saying, well, 20-year gap. And it's like, you know, that stuff is classic. And a lot of the young, you know, a lot of the 20-something-year-olds, they love it too. And, you know, I can't argue it, man. That's <laughs> some of the best stuff to me. Well, you can't repeat that era. I mean, well, no. well, you also, I mean, we're talking a lot about Dimension on, but you run Paragon Records and have for a long time. You have a big distro. You deal with mail order. I mean, we've talked about on the show, it's pretty obvious, the last decade, there's been a huge influx into the death metal scene of younger people, a lot of whom got into it through the hardcore scene, but who really appreciate what happened in the 80s and 90s. Do you see that reflected in the type of products you're selling more? Do you get maybe like a younger um, uh, uh, younger, uh, customer base now or something like that? And do you see it in a lot of the reissues that are coming out? It's hard for me to tell, being that the web store, most of the orders are coming in, not so much people coming through the door, mm-hmm. which I do have, but it's rare. It's more they're ordering online, and I can't see what the age difference is or yeah, anything yeah, like yeah. that. I don't have that information. The one thing I could say, and I don't know if this is going to be the answer you want, but they're just hungry for it. Now, I sell very, uh, I still stuff very cheap. It's how I've helped Paragon survive and everything, but... They want these bands, man, whether they're black metal, whether they're grind, whether, you know, satanic death metal, death gore, death metal, thrash metal, black crust. I mean, I always, like, joke around with friends. I'm like, no band usually really sells out, you know, sells out another one too much, but... And so I'm like, you know, nothing really sells. It's kind of like my joke line I say to people, but I'm like, everything sells. And that's really the truth, and... You know, Paragon has really grown to a point where, you know, sometimes I'm getting two to three new customers a day besides the returning customers. And I think, obviously, with the current situation, that hasn't hurt that to happen. And, um, again, the prices, but Paragon is also 20 years in. And we're getting known for having the tapes, for having the CDs, and... You know, nothing against, like, like Hell's Headbangers. I mean, they're just huge. I mean, if you ever just see their warehouse, it's monstrous. But I deal with a lot of South American labels more, a lot of really obscure labels that'll trade a lot of these obscure death metal, black metal bands. And, dude, I'm putting that on the shop for $5. And this is a band maybe I discovered off Metal Archives, and it's like, okay... Nothing necessarily really sells. Maybe I got like five copies of it in. Dude, those five copies blow out like within three weeks. And it's like, well, who is this band that everybody wants that, you know, I consider myself someone who knows this stuff. And they're just hungry for it, man. And I really think, um, 
I just think that's something that's growing, and I don't know why. I really don't know why. I mean, definitely, like what you're saying, some of the classic bands, they definitely want that. It's definitely true, but they want some of the most, most unknown artists. I mean, dude, even like stuff, it's rare, 50 copies, but, Will, it's not like it's this special digi book thing. Well, it's a CDR. It's a pro CDR, mm-hmm. but they want it. Because it's this obscure black metal band released on this obscure Mexican label, and yeah. they and they want it, and I'm like, and they're coming from all over the United States. I mean, sometimes I'm getting orders from Europe and stuff like that, but of course, most of my orders are the United States, and they come out of the woodwork for this stuff, man. And I think I can only imagine what someone like Hell's Headbangers is doing because I'm doing fairly well where it helps paragon grow so from the classic to the most obscure bands to a certain degree in my opinion from dealing with this stuff so long from a retailer selling it they want everything Hmm. and they want it if you ain't got it on vinyl well you got it on cassette well i'll buy it on cassette you ain't got it on cassette you got it on cd well then i want the cd and well it, it it just doesn't stop which is a good thing well uh Something that might be selected to this style of music, and people love just owning owning the uh, the, the physical formats yeah. and stuff. When I when I put an order in a store, if I see like something I've never seen before and it's five dollars, I'm gonna just buy it. Uh, I've done yeah. that a bunch of times with different labels, and like Paragon, you, like you said, you've been around for a while. You have a good name within the community. When people go there to buy like X Y Z, they're gonna pick up A B C too, because they know you carry sick shit and they might not know the ins and outs of your business model but they like it so they'll support you and that's fantastic yeah and it's it's definitely helped and i mean one of the things i mean a prime example like just is that justin i was talking to was that uh tom tom Tom, all right Uh, tom one thing that happened one time you know, I try to keep the inventory at 100%, but, dude, it's impossible when you're dealing with almost like 4,000 different items. But oh, I'm sure, yeah. I really am strict about trying to be on top of it, but mistakes happen. This guy had placed a decent-sized order, and I had the band, but it was the wrong title I had put up. So I emailed the guy, I told him, and he was like, I said, dude, you still want, I, I got this one, though. It's the same band, but it's this title. He emails me back. He's like, dude, that's fine. He, and he ordered like probably like 10 or 12 things. He's like, dude, I just want to hear some new music. I don't even know who that band is. <laughs> I want to check that out. And again, oh, yeah. like how you're saying, it's $5. And meanwhile, that's a band that I got from a South American label that is from Brazil or wherever they might be down there. And, you know, you can't really go wrong. I mean, hey, even if you don't like it, it's like, all right, well, I'm going to sell this on this out to myself. So, you know. But a lot of people just want to check out stuff. I mean, as a fan, I relate to that. Right. Yeah. Well, now you, you talk about uh, you, you deal with a lot of these like really cult underground labels from South America, and you talked about trading. Now, is there something about trading with these labels in a, in a very old school underground way that allows you to keep prices down? Is that it? It's basically what it is because international postage prices, of course, pretty much go up every year. Yeah. But. Because I'm getting other labels, uh, merchandise, who are liquidating out, uh, my trade lists are really, really growing. So, say if we work out a trade and I'm getting all these various titles, uh, you know, and say it's like a 100 CD trade or 150 CD trade, it's like, okay, that's going to cost me maybe anywhere from 60 to $80 to send out, 
and I'm charging five dollars each CD I get back, it still works out for you. It yeah. still works out where you're gaining, you know. And I do my best to try to keep the prices low. If I feel it's something a little bit more, you know, it's got a little bit more to it that people really want. It's like, all right, man, I want ten dollars for that. And then also, I'll wholesale with some for some of the bigger name stuff like Cannibal Corpse, Cryptopsy, Immortal, you know, Cradle of Filth, Marduk, My Dying Bride, you know, you name it. I'll Sinister if I can get some of that stuff wholesale wise. And then that's another thing that I notice with the customers. It's like, okay, well, I want this at the gate CD, but it's fourteen dollars. It's like, yeah, but the next eight titles he wants only cost him five bucks each. So they, you can tell by the way they order when they place orders like that, they're enjoying that. And again, as a fan and a customer myself, I, would, I relate to that. Because if I went to, <laughs> went to a distro like that and like, all right, I got to pay 15 bucks for this one. But man, all of these look cool and they're five bucks each. So yeah, I, I've done things like that kind of evens it, out. Yeah, it does. You know, and I try to throw a freebie in. You know, I try to do everything because, man, they're the ones why I'm growing. So I try to really, like, you take it really personally, and you try to really, you know, because I'm a fan, and I've gotten the wrong thing in the mail. I've gotten something busted up in the mail. Uh, I ordered something that I thought, you know, they had listed. Oh, no, that's sold out. And you're like, oh, man, yeah. I really wanted that. You know, I've been on that end of it. So, and I let them know that. Like, if we talk via email, if there's something we got to work out, and just like, dude, I'll do everything I can for you, you know, the best of my ability, and thank you so much for the support, because it's what kept Paragon Records alive. Well, well, you, you talk about what kept Paragon Records alive. This is something I kind of wanted to throw at you. It's, and I thought to myself, if somebody asked me this, it's one of those questions where it's like, what do you say? But I wanted to say, like, you know, it's been 10 years since the last album. You've documented some of the lineup changes and things you've been through on the last episode with us and just now talking about it. Um, but you've always kept going and you've always kept the Dimension On name and the Paragon Records name alive with a vengeance. So I would say, like, what what is it that made you, you know, keep going? But that's, like, the generic question. So I would just say, like, how do you see it? Is it, like, a struggle? Is it a fight? Is it a middle finger finger to the world? Or is it less less dramatic? Is it more just, like, instinct? It's what I am. Like, like how would you describe the reason why you've kept going and persevered so long? I just think, you know, and I'm sure, Will, you would relate to this answer. It's just something that you, you know, this is what I'm meant to do. You know, I love it. I can understand how some other people might not get it, but I love it. And that's, you know, all that matters. And I remember, I always go to this, too. I remember I was watching an interview with, like, you know, I think, like, Black Witchery was on there and other bands were on there. And uh, they went to that cult band, Necrovore. And they really have only released, like, demos, I think, whatever, but... They have, like, an underground following and stuff, and I think the main guy still somewhat keeps the band active, even though there's not much that gets, you know, put out by them. But he was being asked in an interview, and he said, you know, what it, you know, very similar to this. And he's like, this music chose me. I didn't chose it. Yeah, I didn't choose it. It chose me. And I don't know, I related to that. I think that's, you know, that definitely give me a little melodramatic, but it made sense to me. When he said it, yeah. I was like, that's how I feel because, you know, definitely not everybody, you know, is spinning, you know what I mean, is <laughs> spinning the latest arranged album. You know, your next door neighbor is not, you know, listening to Disgorge, 
you yeah. know, and yeah. so it's just something, you know, it's just something you love to do, and one of the things that I realized is that, okay, I got to be 110% at everything that I do, and I definitely had my ups and downs with that earlier in life, but it reflects on everything, to my job, to the band, to my, my label, my personal you know, my family, you know what I mean? Your friends, you try to give 110% to everything. And that's how I look at the band and the label. And with the 10 years that went by, I mean, it got really frustrating at one point where, I mean, dude, I would literally be saying Dimensionot is still alive, which it was, but the only person in the band at, at, at one point was me. Like, I had, you know, nobody was in the damn band. And, you know, that was... That was close to the breaking point because I'm like, what am I doing? I kind of feel like a farce. Not like anyone, if they said, oh, do you have a lineup? No, I don't. I'm trying to find one, but would, it's not I, working out. But I would just be like, that yeah, was that, that probably the worst metal, you know? when it was literally just one person. And yeah. I'm like, dude, what am I doing? You know? And yeah. But luckily, you know, Dimension On got through it. So. It, it did. Um, it, it really did. And like I say, this new album I'm very excited about as uh, not, not just a friend, but as a listener. Um, and, and I enjoyed the, the kind of sense of atmosphere and the musicianship on here that was a little bit of a departure from old, from older dimension on. But this is what I want to ask you, too, is that I've, you know, over the years, I don't I don't know that you've ever actually shied away from the term black metal, but I've seen you use the, the term dark metal to describe uh, dimension on, and I like. I'm not like. I'm not implying at all that you're like don't want to associate with black metal. That would be ridiculous, knowing you. But the the style of music that Dimension on plays does kind of seem to have one foot in old school death metal and and like evil kind of thrash metal, even sometimes and doom metal. Like it doesn't seem pure traditional black metal. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it, it's definitely correct. It was never. It was never about that. We definitely thrived on the second wave black metal movement, but if someone like was like, oh, what, you don't like Malevolent Creation anymore? I'd be like, dude, I listen to Malevolent Creation every day. Probably, you know what I mean? It's just, we were always about everything. And if you go back to the beginning days, Mark, our original drummer, you know, he came in not only with the second wave black metal influence, he was huge into hardcore. Yeah. And then Ed, our founding guitar player, he was big into the death metal movement like myself. And uh, we, Mark and I, kind of got him into the second wave black metal movement. And Ed was also big into thrash. So we were, oh, and then we liked heavy metal and just so many other different forms of music. And it's always been, if we think it works, you know, we're going to use it. And if, you know, not really caring what anybody else thinks, just trying to make sure it fits what we're trying to do. Yeah, because there's a lot of, you know, there is black metal in there, and a lot of people, if they had to, if you put a gun to their head and said, what's Dimension on, they would say black metal, but it's a different kind of sound, and like, I also think some, like I said before, Long Island, if you say Long Island to a lot of people in the scene or who know this, you know, podcast, they think suffocation, internal bleeding, you know, breakdowns, that whole thing, it's not as well known for black metal and darker type of music, so I wanted. To, this is something I was thinking about that maybe we didn't touch on as much. We talked about in the first episode with you about how there was a separation between brutal death metal and you know pretty much anything else but black metal in, in the uh, late '90s. And in some parties, there were um, there were there, there were clashes of personalities over it, and there were people who didn't want to accept black metal things like that. Um, but I wanted to ask you about just 
being on Long Island, because we're, you know, I say this on the podcast too, we're in Suffolk County, Long Island, we're about an hour outside of New York City in the suburbs to more rural areas sometimes here on Long Island. Um, and black metal seems to be a very regional specific thing a lot of the times. You know, there's the Norwegian guys, there's the South American guys, uh, there's, you know, there's all sorts of different black metal. Like, where would you say Dimension On might fit in if you had to say it was like Long Island black metal, like what's I wanted to maybe get a little bit from you about I don't know the Long Island black metal experience. What is it about out here on Long Island that we have uh, that kind of speaks to that darkness and that that malevolent spirit of black metal? Maybe if you could talk to that a little bit. That's a really good question. I don't. I mean, Long Island. It's so you know. I mean, you, you know, you see one strip mall, you see the other on Long Island. Yeah. So I don't really know. If it's anything with Long Island itself, Will, I think it was more just the mysticism of the Norwegian bands and, um, you know, the Swedish bands, too, and, you know, even the Greek scene. And I I know, like me, I know I could speak for Ed, Jim, I mean, these are all people you know, Will, um, that we just got caught up in it. You know, we liked it, but, again, that other side of it was, and I don't know how some of the Norwegian and the Swedish ones looked at it, because we didn't know them, you know, we don't know them now. But we were just like, but we still love death metal, too. I think the thing that I really, if I say personally for myself, I like how black metal, to me, was just as extreme as death metal was, but it was different. It was extreme in different ways, and the same thing to the death metal, to the black metal. And I thought... To me, I thought that was so cool. I thought, like, to me, suffocation, wow, that's so extreme. Emperor in the Nightside Eclipse, that's so extreme, but they don't sound anything alike. And I think, for me, it was more like you were just drawn to the mysticism of it. And, you know, I had been writing some bands overseas when I was younger, and I was always fascinated with going to Europe and all of that, and I think that played into it. I don't really think there was anything, I know speaking for myself, I don't really think there was any influence from Long Island itself. I just looked at it as, you know, this is other extreme music that I like, and, you know, this is just something I want to be into, and I really don't think Long Island, for me, had an influence on it. Okay, that's interesting, just like... Well, as a listener, as someone who grew up, you know, like, like, and just for the listeners of the show who who may not realize this, I'm a few years younger than you and your crowd of musicians who have been in and out of the Forgotten and Dimension on through the years. And you guys took, like, literally picked me up at my house and drove me to some of my first shows I ever went to. You guys were always very welcoming to me in that respect. And I always looked up to you guys and your scene, which was always, I should add, too, a little bit further east on Long Island where I live. And there's just something, if I could try to paint a picture about, uh, uh, like you said in the beginning, strip malls on Middle Country Road (laughs) in Selden and Center Reach driving out to like Ridge on Long Island in the middle of the night. There's no life, just cars kind of, it's very cold and vacant. And I'm really not trying to exaggerate. There's something about that cold distance of, of, uh, highways and parkways and strip malls and empty gas stations that are kind of like you know pocketed by like these gray woods it's it's all gray yeah yeah i mean i can definitely vouch for and i've said this for years you can ask anybody there's so much of nothing out here yeah and i'll say that to this day 
So maybe that did. I mean, I can say this with the black metal thing, but see, I felt this with the death metal too. It was so anti to everything mm. that was going on around us. And I guess maybe the black metal, maybe because, you know, you answer more of the religious factor, even though, like, Deicide and Morbid Angel had that. Mm. I mean, you had, like, the church fires and all that other shit going on in Norway. I mean, it definitely fascinated us because they're like, what the hell is going on? But I could definitely say it never made me want to burn down a church or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I get in enough trouble as it. <laughs> the Long Island version's I, burning down like a Hess. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, maybe like you know one of the you know maybe one of the empty fucking Chinese places that just shut down again. That's <laughs> been there. Maybe yeah. we'll burn that down. There's nobody in there. But um, no, you know what I mean. I guess it was it was very anti. I mean, I remember like you know, I could say this, Will Dark Throne, especially. It really kind of threw me for a loop. What they did because. I knew of Celtic Frost and Bathory, and I'd heard the songs and Venom and all that, but for some reason, it didn't resonate with me completely. Merciful Fate did, and King Diamond, you know, did, but that didn't. And it was no, I mean, it was no secret when Blazer in the Northern Sky came out, it's like, okay, Dark Throne is now playing Celtic Frost Bathory, <laughs> and they're just calling it Dark Throne. I mean, if Fenris was in this podcast right now, he'd be like, yep, that's what we did. You know, and, but I, it really, because I remember I saw the logo at Slip Disc Records, right? And I already had Soul Side Journey. And I said, all right, that's the same logo, but you got the guy with the face paint on there looking yeah. like some sort of Celtic Frost thing. And I said, well, what the hell is this? You know, I was like, uh, you know, this doesn't, I recognize that logo, but this isn't the same band I know. And the funny thing was, I got the song in the shadow of the horns off Blaze the Northern Sky. I got that on a compilation cassette by Peaceville. And it started out with the intro, but instead of going into the first song, it went into the shadow of the horns. Now, I'd already spun Soul Side Journey on cassette I don't know how many times at this point, and that's a technical, yeah, atmospheric, album, yeah. death metal album, right? And the first listen of that song, I was like, yeah, I don't really like it. <laughs> then I went back and spun it again. And I loved it. I was like, that's how quick I got hooked. And I guess maybe it was just something, you know, about it and everything. And, you know, who knows, man? Maybe Long Island did have an influence on it. And it's a good point you guys make. I just never thought about that. I always just thought about, yeah. all right, I met some other guys that are into this. And I'm like, oh, they're into the death metal. They're into thrash metal. They're into hardcore. They're just into extreme music. Some of them are into noise and industrial and... I was like, man, this is awesome, and, you know, we ended up starting The Forgotten, and the rest, as they say, is history, and it just, it came natural to us to do it, I guess, was, but we wanted, as you said earlier on, we wanted to have the thrash influences in it, you know, Mark with the lyrics wanted to have hardcore influence in it, we wanted to have death metal elements in it, because that's what we were about, like, we always laughed if someone came up to us and said, Oh, you're wearing an under a funeral moon shirt, so oh, you're not gonna, you know, slam at the internal bleeding show. You, I said, dude, I'll be the one crowd surfing. You know, <laughs> I'll be, I'm like, I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. It's all extreme music to me. So to us, it was just, it was just natural for where we were going. I, think and I that, just never that... thought of it with the Long Island way, but you never know, man, because it is, you know, it's the land of nothing out here. So. 
I, well, yeah, that's the thing I'm kind of speaking to. And also, I think what you were saying just now about not really seeing the genre wall speaks to how old school you guys are because there was a lot less of that separation in the 80s and 90s. It was all yeah. just, you know, extreme metal or whatever you called it. But, but yeah, like, well, I like, you know, what, like, because what you said, there's a whole lot of nothing. It's, it's true. And there's something about, like, we're about an hour away from New York City where there's always something going on 24 hours a day. To the, but then you just drive all the way. Like I said, Middle Country Road is a perfect example out there. Uh, once uh-huh. you get a little bit past Smithtown at night, I've driven there many times. That's where I meet up with the Pyrexia guys. That's where I've met up with you over. I've had friends out there over the years. But it's like it's like these dead strip malls. A lot of them are vacant, and the only thing else around is either suburban houses or wooded areas. And there's just a. It's kind of this lack of permanence. And lack of, I guess, uh, like visible life that happens after sundown out here, except for the cars. That it's just such a contrast to New York City. But we're still very New York out here in an attitude kind of way. So there's just a certain roughness and darkness. It's like, what else are you going to do at night if you're not going to cruise Deer Park Avenue and blast uh, Sheila E or whatever? Uh, if you're, if you're, you know, if you're not gonna um, work overnight at the gas station, what are you gonna do? You're gonna get in that rehearsal room and play some music. And what you guys came up with, obviously, you weren't, you weren't about Long Island like the way the Beastie Boys were about Brooklyn. It wasn't overt, but I see it as an outsider, as kind of like a product maybe of the environment. Even too with that, with that acceptance more of death metal influence too. Yeah, I could definitely. I mean, it's definitely. I mean, Long Island definitely has an influence on you. Yeah. You know, and. It's like, you know, like I know you say, like, Will, with Buckshot Facelift, like, it's very, you know, it's proud Long Island. Mm-hmm. And I've always, I mean, that's something, again, Buckshot's known for, and I have such respect for for that. We're proud Long Island in our own way as well, because it's where you're from. And the fact that you can make an underground band and somewhat, you know, keep it going here, I mean, that's anyone doing that. I don't care whether <laughs> it's punk music, hardcore Whatever it is, death metal, thrash metal, if you can keep that going, I mean, it's a testament to just how dedicated you are and how much you really, it's like, dude, this is not a flash in the pan for, for you. You know, this is something you're really into. And you're going to see it through till you have nothing left, <laughs> no matter how far you get with it. Yeah. And, um, you know, and definitely my pride with Long Island comes out with that because, you know, some people, especially outside, is, and I can understand you know, they don't really think of Long Island, they think of New York. And when if they hear about Long Island being connected, they still look at it as New York. You know, they think immolation and they think suffocation. And more power to these bands. I'm a fan um, over the years of these bands. And they've had, you know, some great success. But it's almost like they think it might be easy to do a band yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, there's nothing easy about doing a band here. Nothing. And meanwhile, you have so much available to you, but it becomes so much of nothing. And I've worked with so many people over the years where, you know, it's no offense to them, they just had no idea what it is to do a band or just had no real drive. And I don't know, I I personally feel that's a product of Long Island because we're so, I mean, in my opinion, we're so spoiled out here. And... Everything is available to you. Just hop in your car, and it's five minutes away. Granted, if you got to walk, it's not called Long Island for nothing. But if you got a car like most of us do, everything is available to you here. And I honestly feel a lot of people just take that for granted, and they don't appreciate, you know, the opportunities 
that are available to you and the things that you could possibly do. And that, you know, that's something that drives me. And that's probably like a love-hate relationship I have with Long Island. So to bring Long Island back into the conversation, if you want to talk about something where Long Island had an influence on me, I could definitely say the love-hate relationship with it. <laughs> that it, def- it definitely, because, I mean, I'll, I'm born here, Will, and I'll die here. But uh. I also, I have a hatred for here, too. But I also have a passion for being here. So, I, been here so long, man. I identify with that a lot. And I think there's probably <laughs> listeners that could say that about wherever they're from, too, that's, man. That's the whole point. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. most people point. like, man, you don't live here. You don't yeah. know. I'm sure they'd say the same yep. thing to us. You know what I mean? Yep. So. There's, there's somebody out there in Florida or Pittsburgh or wherever the fuck right now. But, uh, well, you know what's funny, too? You say about just being in an underground band on Long Island. You know who I have a lot of respect for? Um, Doug and Sam and Rich, the guys who are, they're now their day of doom, but they go back to 93 with Exuviate and Butchery and Sanguinary Carnage and all the stuff they've been doing with their little crew. Uh, to, to this day, I'm pretty sure they're still, uh, you know, active as they can be with Day of Doom and just keeping it real and keeping it underground with, with what they do for all these years together with the same group of friends, you know? Yeah, they've been at it a long time, man. We've played many shows with them over the years. Oh yeah, yeah, my band's too, man. So yeah, just yeah, more power to him, man. It's again, it's something like if you talk to Sam, you know, he he he, he you know he breathes it, man. It's yeah. just something, you know. And he's married with two kids, but he still he has the passion for this. Obviously, it gets harder as we get older because of like say family, jobs, a combination of all that. But he still he still breathes death metal, man. He loves it. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people like that out here, man. And, in, and, you know, sometimes in these more rural and suburban areas, you don't get some of the opportunities that bands get who are in the city. That's why people move to the city to start a band a lot of the time. That's, you know, that's part of it. But, yeah, I just wanted to get get down to that because I just thought there was something interesting there, and we did tap into it about Long Island and that, that part of Suffolk County where after dark there's not a whole lot going on unless you make it go on for yourself somehow. Um, that That's part of it, man. So the, the New Dimension non-album... Um, it's dreaming, uh, dreaming you goth. Yeah, I believe I'm pretty certain that's how you say it. I know I said, oh yeah, that's how you say it earlier. Let me just be specific. I'm pretty certain that's how you say the second word. <laughs> well, that's that's we, we got the Long Island tongue, Mike. It happens. It's part. Yeah, of the... I definitely do, man. And I'm like the worst. I can't even get like Italian words right. <laughs> <laughs> it's caught caught in between. Um, uh, torn between two worlds. Shout, shout to Sarah Jezebel Diva. Um, but uh, well, and are, is, it's coming out on Paragon Records. Yes, that's correct. Okay, what date can people look for? Uh, July thirteenth. And uh, is that going to be? Is it going to be digital? People can look for it on Bandcamp or, or like Spotify. That sort of thing. Or it will probably. We got the one song on uh, Bandcamp right now, "Dwelling Into mm-hmm. Madness." We'll probably put all the songs up there eventually. I don't know if July thirteenth, but I think so. I'm a little, you know, with the Bandcamp and the social media. I, I Don Zaros handles our Bandcamp. Okay. Matt Hass, our drummer, handles Instagram. Don Zaros handles our Facebook page. Smart I'm move. just more filled in. We agree what we're going to do, and then we go from there. So okay. I believe with the Bandcamp, the full album will be eventually released. But on July 13th, people can order the CD direct from Paragon Records. Beautiful. And putting the guy who's under 30 on the Instagram is a smart move. That's what we did with Buckshot Facelift. 
asshole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. I agree. Yeah, awesome, man. So people could look on the social media for that sort of thing and, and uh, follow the new album. The new song is up there if you want to give it a sample of things we've been discussing. We have, I believe it was our, do- we did a deep dive in the Doom episode with Rick Habib from Grey Skies Fallen, another yep. Paragon artist, actually, Grey Skies Fallen. Uh, who's also in Buckshot, but a few months ago we had Rick back on the show to talk doom metal, and I did kind of gush over Rigor Sardonicus for a while, and I know some of the <laughs> listeners might be familiar with Rigor, so it's just interesting, if you're familiar with Evoken, if you're familiar with Rigor Sardonicus, it's interesting to see two musicians from those camps team up uh, in the context of Dimension On. And, and Long Island dark metal. So I just think that's really interesting, and, and I'm happy to push that new album on people and hope they listen to it. Um, so, Mike, at this point, I want to start closing up, and I want to ask, is there anything we didn't cover, anything that you want to discuss or bring up um, about Dimension On or otherwise? No, you know, um, with uh, Dimension On, we do have, uh, like I said, the album's July 13th. We are working on shirts right now. Um, right now, also, Joe is figuring, uh, finishing up the new Rigor Sedonicus, so we're giving him that time so he can complete that, and then we'll look to see, our, like, okay, what are we doing with Dimension On? Are we going to start working on new material, start to play some shows where you can play shows? we got to discuss that. And uh, honestly, I'm up personally for whatever we decide as a band to do like my main thing and I, I told this to you direct already will i'll be damned if it's going to take me another 10 years to get a record out with this band mm, it yeah. just it can't happen man I, yeah. I i won't make it and we need to go forward you know i'm really satisfied with this i'm really happy you know i was like you know we're gonna we're gonna hold that fifth album in our hands and once you know because i actually do have the cds now and i was you know it was that was a great moment man because i was like wow you know we finally made it and, well, it's like, it's time, what's the next thing, you know? And uh, with Paragon Records, um, I, am due, I am reissuing The Gray Skies Fall and Cold Dead Lands, which is just a great record. It's been getting phenomenal reviews. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, I'm working with uh, Grim Distribution and More Hate Productions over there in Russia, uh, with More Hate and Grim Distribution is the Ukraine. But with the pandemic... It's been delayed, the pressing. Though I do have the self-digi CD versions that the band did themselves on the shop, if anybody wants it. So hopefully, I know the CDs came in. We're still waiting on the layouts, but we continue to push the Gray Skies with the flyers and everything as well. We have Dimension on Gray Skies flyers now. And, you know, Gray Skies is also part of the promotional, you know, thing with the Dimension on with our new promoter. And, you know, it, it's doing really well. I'll be doing another release later in the year, another co-release with Inventum Music, which is that band, Obstruct. I did their first album. Okay. I'm going to be co-releasing their second album. And uh, they want to get it out, I think, around September 22nd this year. And it's just before they go out on the road with Vomitory. You know, as oh, long, wow. I guess, as everything yeah. stays, they're going to be touring with Vomitory, I think, for like a couple of weeks. I'm not sure. Sweet. So hopefully that'll be, you know, something really good that, you know, I just really want to keep moving Dimension On forward and Paragon Records forward. And both are doing well at this point, and especially if Paragon Records continues to grow, everything associated to it, I'm hoping is going to grow with it from Buckshot Facelift, Gray Skies Fallen, Dimension On, Obstruct, I mean, you know, you name it, other bands that I work with, Aetherius Obscuritus and... You know, and hopefully really make, you know, 
everything that I'm doing, really make it a staple out here, which I think we're, sl- we're slowly heading in that direction. But, you know, when I really believe it's gone to the next level for anything I'm involved in, I'll believe it when I see it. Mm-hmm. But I really, I, I got, you know, I'm positive about it, man. I think it's really going well. And, um, you know, obviously it gets harder and harder to do because it keeps you busier and busier, yeah. but it's going well. And, um, you know, I hope people like the dimension on it. I hope they check it out. I hope they check out the Gray Skies Fallen and everybody who supports Dimension On and Paragon Records, you know, we really appreciate it because they're the reason why we're able to keep going. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, we wish you the best of luck with all that stuff, um, Mike. I, I say as if I'm not in Buckshot Facelift. Uh, but <laughs> but not at all, all transparency. Yeah, and no, I'm not in Gray Skies Fall and that new Cold Day Deadlands is a beautiful album. Um, so we wish you the best of luck with getting that stuff out there and kind of recovering from the pandemic setbacks that a lot of labels and people are experiencing and all that sort of thing, man. I got one hot question for you right before we close up. Um, what size sneaker are you and what's your preferred store to get your, uh, pure white high top sneakers? (laughs) Dude, I think I'm like literally like a size 13 and a half or 14. All right. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, the Nike Air Monarchs I haven't look big bought to begin sneakers with. in a while because I kind of, dude, my feet are always killing me, so I gotta kind of order like special shoes. Like my mm. girlfriend orders them on Amazon for me and shit, or I get from my job. We're allowed to get footwear as well. You know, mm. we just gotta tell them what we want. So I haven't bought a pair of white sneakers. Man, it's been a while, man. Wow. It's been a okay. long time since I bought a pair of white sneakers. They don't really. They don't really help my feet anymore, so I kind of had to stop wearing. <laughs> wow, see, I, I'm the opposite. I'm at the point where all I can wear is, like, Nike Air Monarchs and New Balance uh, dad shoes, you know, for, for okay. support. But my dad would. My dad recommends Red Wing shoes. He says that. Oh, that's, those are thick, man. He says you that's, know? like, the best that's possible comfort support work shoe you can get is Red Wing shoes, so. We'll and I do have actually another thing. I don't really wear them that often, but I love that I have them. You got the Converse, you know, Swedish death metal fucking sneaker. You know uh, what I mean? Uh, yeah, if you dude. look at a lot of the Swedish death metal photos, you'll constantly see those guys rocking, like, especially the old ones. I don't know so much the new ones. Like the old school, like, Converse, uh, you know, really piece of shit sneaker. Like the like the Ramones, they'll be rocking those and stuff, you know, with yeah. the bullet belts and everything. And the, the, I'm like, I had to buy those, but I barely wear them because they're not good on my feet either. But it's pretty cool to own them. The Joey Ramone gym shoes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because I'm currently reading the Finnish death metal book, and they mentioned that the style in Finland at the time was to wear your sneakers a little bit big, like a size too big. And you see in all the band photos. Those guys all have, like, the, the early 90s basketball player shoes, like, a size too yes. big. It's pretty funny, man. That's Well, that's why I asked you, because you are pretty you were, you were keeping that tradition alive up until the uh, last few times I saw you, I guess. Yeah, I more, I more switched to the black sneaker just because, dude, whatever helps my feet. I mean, I used to wear, like, boots when we would play on stage <laughs> back in the yeah, day. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, that's got to go. I would, <laughs> I I would even, fall off stage. My feet can't deal with that at all anymore. Yeah. I would fall off stage, man. Well, that's why playing barefoot was was invented, man. Um, I remember. I, yeah, you did that. You still do that? Because you did that a few times back in the day, right? Well, it's it, it's a go-to move for me, but I also look at the... Sometimes you got to look at the floor. Maybe there's broken bottles. You never know how it's going to yeah, go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you gotta, 
you know, I've had experience with uh, athlete's foot and things like that. You know, as you get older, you get a little weary of certain situations, man. But um, what are you going to do? But, but Mike, on, uh, on, a, on a real deal uh, recommendation, you know we always close out the program by asking our guests to recommend one new and one old album by any artist they like, uh, just to make a, a hot recommendation for us and the listeners. No problem. <laughs> Coming right no up. No problem. <laughs> as far as old school... I know it's respected, but I don't think it gets enough respect, especially to a lot of the other Finnish death metal albums. Disgrace, Great Misery. Wow, what was I, I talking absolutely about? Yeah, absolutely love. I was talking that about record. that today. And I know it definitely has some respect, but if you throw like Demi Lich and Adam Lich, and Adam Lich, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Demi God, Disgrace usually kind of gets put at the bottom. And where I feel, again, this is just my personal opinion, Disgrace, Great Misery should be at the top. And I, I love that record. Uh, it's definitely got some old school carcass influence in it, and but it's got a darker vibe, like a lot of the Finnish bands had. Yeah. And they made it their own thing. And then after that, they went death and roll, which wasn't so much my thing personally. But that album, uh, Disgrace, Gray Misery, I absolutely love that record. Dude, you're. And I highly recommend that. You are so talking my fucking language. Because I, I, I told you, I've been reading this Finnish death metal book, and I had for a while. I mean, I'm familiar with Disgrace. It's not like the first time I heard them, but I just got so juiced up reading the book. I found a record store in the Midwest, Plaid Room Records. I got to look up exactly where they're from and give them a plug. But they had the Svart reissue with Grey Misery and the demos and everything on a double LP for a very reasonable price, and I bought it. Um, and I spent Friday night after I got off of work. I listened to like the whole double LP with with Gray Misery and their their first EP and demo, and just really fucking amazing stuff, man. And I was just telling Justin about it like before we interviewed you tonight. So it's like you couldn't have hit the nail on the head anymore with me, man. I'm glad that worked out good. Yeah, I, I love that record, man. That had an influence. Even the song titles alone had an influence on my lyrics on one of the songs on Hasanis. I mean, that album has a huge, huge influence on me. Wow. Really interesting since, like, you, you know me from an early age. Demolich was always, like, the big thing for me. It's just funny yeah. how, like, it's, it's always goes back to Finland for, for, like, the real underground people in some way or another, man. Crazy. A lot of great stuff from there. I mean, we can talk for hours, but obviously, you know. We'll get you, we'll, we'll get <laughs> we you back, Mike. wrap it up. We're, we're going we're gonna to bring you back. Um, yeah. something new. Uh, Rick, you know, uh, Rick of Grace Guys Fallen, he uh, mentioned a couple of new things to me. I'm just going to name a couple of them because I don't want to get carried away. Um, the last defeated Sanity, I okay. thought was very good. Oh, I yeah. thought that was cool. Yeah. And this other band, he uh, told me to check out, and I'm just going to spell it, man, because I'm probably going to say it wrong. Huh. But it's I O T U N N. I don't know I O T U N. I don't know how you would say that. And it's called Access All Worlds. And Rick recommended that to me as well. And, yeah, I I texted him back about both of them. I said, yeah, man, these are both sick. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Because I picked them both up on Amazon. And that's a band on Metal Blade that I happen to never hear of. Their album came out, I believe it was was either early this year or last year it came out. And, uh, you know, it's still fairly new. And yeah, it, I, I liked it a lot. It's got a lot of atmosphere to it. I don't think it's necessary for everybody, but 
you know, if you want to check out something maybe a little bit different, it's uh, it's definitely got its own vibe going on. Yeah, Rick is uh, something else, man. He's always schooling somebody on. So right now, I'm in the middle of his uh, intermediary course on Anacrusis and um, Dream Theater. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I, I, I listened to a recent podcast he did, and he was talking about uh, Anacrusis. I yeah. you know because I know he likes them a lot. Yeah, he loaned me uh, some older stuff last time I saw him, man. Yeah, Rick's just like a walking encyclopedia of uh, metal history and pro wrestling at some points, too, man. Oh, yeah, man. I can talk the old school pro wrestling analysts. I love it. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, yes, we're not. Sir. So slow down, Justin. Slow down. He didn't say. Anything, he didn't say anything about Kenny Omega. Yet. We'll just smack the microphone away yeah. from my face. <laughs> All right, but um, Mike Zancelli, Paragon Records, and Dimension on man. We appreciate your time, uh, your suggestions, and your stories, and giving us a little insight into the new Dimension on album, Dreaming You Goth, which is available on Paragon Records. Probably by the time people listen to this, really. Uh, and if not, within a few days, and they can listen to that one song that's on Bandcamp. I, I it comes highly recommended. And there's also a rich uh, back catalog with Dimension on to get into, dating back to the early '90s, uh, as far back as when you guys were called the Forgotten. So people can always uh, do that research too, man. We're interested in Long Island metal history. Um, who've, who've who've heard every Suffocation song already? You want to go a little deeper? <laughs> Well, you know what, dude? You never can listen to Legion Veracity enough. I no. mean, you know, that goes without saying. No. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> no, not song, like, just, I used to wreck my room listening to that song. <laughs> <laughs> you can't go wrong, man. It's just old suffo, man. New suffo, whatever. But, um... <laughs> yeah. Old, new, old, middle, new. Put it on. But, uh, um, uh, Mike, we thank you for your time, brother. We appreciate it, and we're going to be checking for that album when it drops and for anything new on Paragon, and hopefully we'll get you back eventually one day to, to, uh, to go even deeper on pro wrestling and everything else, man. Sounds great, man. I just want to you know, thank uh, you know, Will, uh, Thomas, Justin. Guys, thanks for having me again. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, no, no sweat, man. We'll be in touch as the episode comes out, brother. You have a good night, man. Absolutely. Our pleasure, man. All right. Take care, guys. Horns up. All right, that was our interview with Mike Zancelli, uh, singer uh, and longtime member of Dimension On, Long Island's uh, original dark metal band. Um, hard to classify. With a brand new album out, uh, we talked a lot about it. We thank him for his time. Also of Paragon Records, which we talked about. And as we said, if you want a little background or a little bit more to that story, we already had Mike on once before, very early on in the podcast history, and he kind of gave his uh, story. So you can always check that out, man. So shout out to Mike Zancelli, man. We appreciate him. Always good talking to him, man. Yeah, good guy. Um, but uh, some other people that holler at us from time to time, we get them on the we get them on the phone. You know what I mean? Uh, Tom, we got a little backlog now of voicemails. We have way too many voicemails. We apologize for that. You know, this whole voicemail thing, we do encourage it. We love it when you guys leave us voicemails. We're very psyched to do this, what we're about to do right now. But sometimes 
Uh, guests talk for longer than others. There's more questions than others. Sometimes things, you know, we, we, we don't know exactly how to format it sometimes. We can't mm-hmm. just do voicemails willy-nilly, folks. I'm only no, no. human. But Give we will, me time. We will play every voicemail. That's yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. We'll yeah. cover mm-hmm. our bases. We're going to get to it. But you might have to wait a little bit, you know, because somebody else has got to go on and on about a Task M4 track for a half hour. It happens. <laughs> so week to week, we will try to work these in. But right now... Uh, we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna punch you in the gut with some uh, some hot. We're gonna come in hot with the voicemails, right, Tom? Yeah, here's someone familiar. Who's the first one? What's up? You're live. Go. <laughs> you guys want to do a call-in show <laughs> monthly? I would do one. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that. Yeah. Tony Baldoni here. Tony Baldone, listen, there's a lot of things I can't stand. What are some things that you cannot stand? I can't stand too many bands on a show. How do you feel about that one? You got the show starting at like 8 o'clock, doors at 7, first band at 8. And you got fucking seven bands on the show. Come on, man. Tell him, Bobby. You know, I also can't stand... also can't stand waking up in your own vomit. <laughs> <laughs> That's my morning. Good morning. Tony Baldone. Tony Baldone. Wow, that's dark. I hope he's all right. Yeah, hope he's doing well. I hope uh, we maybe we should have played that one earlier. Wow, maybe maybe he's in that kind of like dark, regretful stage of being an infamous mobster. <sighs> uh, that's weird. Uh, but but it's nevertheless, he had a valid point to make about the shows. Yeah, it's not I, always fun in games with Tony Baldone. You know what I've seen happen though, because this does happen. The promoter gets this fever. Where they got to cram every band they know onto the show to open up. It's like you already got four bands. Then by the time the flyers made, there's another one. Then the day of the show, there's two more opening up, and then your your headliner ends up getting squeezed at the end because there's a curfew at the venue. I've seen that. I've seen that a few times. I've seen it too many times. It's crazy because the band that like is the headliner there. At the end of the night, you're going, "Sorry guys, you got to cut your set or whatever. It's running too late." But that's because you, you squeezed, like, three fucking two-man power violence bands that don't even have a demo out yet on the bill. I I don't mind calling out this place because it seems to happen every single time there. Oh, boy. But I know where you're going. Blackthorn 51. It did happen on a few occasions. It's it's not, not a good way to do things. Um, I remember you and I went and saw a band. We saw Malignancy. Mm. They played great, but they ended up playing at like one thirty in the morning. Immolation had a similar thing. Like well, Immolation started at like one forty-five. This goes back to that like whole like uh, selling tickets, pay to play thing that, that 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 a lot of places do. It's right. like because you end up in this mentality. Like St. Vitus has it right because they curate well curated shows yeah. that show somebody has kind of like a perspective on what's going on in the scene currently. What yeah. bands mix together? What local bands draw? But then there's other venues that just kind of will throw anyone who's willing to either pay them or sell the tickets and pay them on. So you end up with, like, 
a couple of local screamo metalcore type of weird bands who, who've never heard of Malignancy. Yeah, that. And then like then, we like, asked, and they bring twenty to twenty five like quote unquote fans from their local friend group who all leave the second they stop playing, and it just creates this kind of mismatched show that's not really like when you have a real death metal show with underground bands. Amityville Musical is very good again at curating those shows yeah. that yep. have a certain scene mm-hmm. and draw certain people in. Again, not that no one can can or can't go or it's exclusive, but but you know how to match certain openers with certain headliners to make <laughs> it a, uh, um, to, to make it a, an event that's within context with each other, you know? But when yeah. it was Broadway Bar, the opposite. Yeah, and again, that's what happens <laughs> yeah. with a lot of these local venues that are kind of like... <clears throat> Don't really get underground metal or hardcore or whatever, but they know they want live bands, and they're like, "Well, you know, it's not my fault. Why don't you just do Billy Joel covers instead of yelling and shit?" You know, like it's like I know. would if I could, but I play breakdowns. So. Yeah, it's it's I, got, you know. I play better guitar, so it's it's good to make money, but to see things as a business like that and then not understand the scene and where the money is coming from is yeah, it's a terrible way. Tony Baldone's absolutely mm. correct. Yeah, I um, think a lot of them understand. The scene yeah, and understand well, what they're doing. It's just a oh, they don't care. I forgot. They just don't. Yeah, care. that's an option. Yeah. There's the selling tickets, pay to play angle where you cram the bins. But I've also seen this with a lot of underground promoters who are well intentioned, who mean well, who are good people, and that gets. I've done it. I'm guilty of this because I've booked. This is why I don't book shows anymore. <clears throat> admittedly, not one of the reasons. Uh, because I'm not great at it. I'm not. I'm not good at um, uh, drawing a line in the stand in the sand, standing firm. I don't really have the organizational skills past running one of my own bands to run a whole show. And this is what happens: is you end up with like six or seven bands on a bill where there should only be four or five because you got so many friends, so many people involved, and you you know this nice you know, these these nice young gentlemen just put out a demo. They should open up, and then at the end, it's like I said, at the end of the day, your headliner is waiting to play at two in the morning, and nobody wins yeah it happened i've been that guy and i've learned the hard way is it do you think less prevalent now than it was say five years ago well it's hard to tell because covid i've only been to like one show that since shows started coming back so it's like hard to tell where it's going now you know is it going to affect it like since everyone's thirsty to play shows in the venue what i've seen which is good i like mr beery's they're kind of having three different events a day they'll have a matinee show a night show pardon me see i'm mr beery's and i'm burping it up already but they'll have a matinee show a night show and then they kind of just have like whatever after the show you can chill there's music you know dj or whatever Mm -hmm. and that's what a lot of venues do is they break it up throughout the night and you know you could get into a point where i've seen venues try to cram five shows into one night but with the way mr beery's is doing is pretty good you know they're they're taking advantage of their time throughout the day they're drawing people in in the afternoon for for a matinee show that might not be inclined and so forth so it's a it's a good deal man but you know it's like with anything there's certain venues promoters that are going to take advantage and think that they could squeeze the juice and get more money out of it and they end up just booking a mismatched disorganized show not to drag this on too much longer but i think that like some of these quote-unquote festival tours that go around they've kind of normalized starting a show at like 1 30 in the afternoon and yeah like summer slaughter yeah like good intentions there but then like what well, is this? Like I'm uh, sorry, I don't want to watch Dying Feet is seventh and have to wait six more bands. Yes, to, to this. Yeah, even if every band is good. You're yeah, right. Well, the thing is, yeah, like, I don't want all that. The thing is, like, you start off with like four or five bands or something, which it's like a good right there. I'm like, okay, but then every time you land in the different city, you got like three or four opening acts 
before the four or five band. It's, that's right. crazy. It's just too much. One local opener. Keep it to that. Boys and girls. Yeah, man. Like it's. I don't know. Like it's just too much, man. I, I don't know. But yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. I think we've said our piece on that. Yeah. Shout to Tone Baldone. Stay up, kid. Uh, that that vom- I don't know if that vomit's going to come out of the polyester. Yeah, yeah. yeah Rolling your yeah. left side. The uh, the old uh, recovery yeah. position. Yeah. Which vomit? New release. Twenty bucks spin. That's not bad. All right. Next one. What's up, fellas? Tyler Craig again. It's been a long time, but figured I'd give you an old school recommendation for you guys i just now rediscovered this album recently it's pretty famous so i don't even know why i'm rediscovering it but the greatest grind album of all time in my personal opinion terrifier by pig destroyer i think scott hole needs to be in the conversation for one of the greatest riff writers in all of metal and hardcore and extreme music in general this man's riffs on this album is just are just ferocious. It's up there with Napalm Death, in my personal opinion. They're like, they are my favorite grindcore band of all time. Napalm Death, a very close second or third option, but Pig Destroyer's riffs are just absolutely brutal. But thanks again, guys. Peace. Shout out to Tyler Craig, mm-hmm. longtime listener and supporter, man. We feel you, man. What's up? Um, you guys want to wait in on that one? Yeah. Uh, so I get the voicemails that come in to my phone <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of the night. So I get to sample them and, and I, I, I delete shit that comes in all nasty. No, I've never actually deleted one or anything. But uh, yeah, I got this one in, Tyler, and I I uh, listened to Terrifier a few times refreshed it, rediscovered, and uh, honestly, I had listened to it a couple times this year already, because I think it's a great album as well, so I agree with where you're coming at. I think Pig Destroyer is up there with Napalm Death on, like, one of the greatest grind acts of all time. Terrifier's fucking sick, got the chunk to it, the fast groove thing that they kind of, like, made very much their own. Uh, Taking riffs that are kind of simple in a way, and then speeding them up to just being blistering and uh, disgusting in a lot of ways. J.R. Hayes, just like a fine, fine man. Fine vocalist. Huh. Um, so, yeah, Terrifier is a, a solid album. Yeah. And um, not, not really going to disagree with that. If that's your personal take, I think that's a solid one. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a great album, man. I think Pig Destroyer is a great band. I, I've, I've had the opportunity to see them live a few times. And, um, yeah, I, what, you know, what can you say about Pig Destroyer? They kind of do no wrong. There's certain albums people might place above others, man. And I... Admittedly, I really enjoyed Explosions in Ward 6 when that first came out back in the day. And then Prowler in the Yard was a really good album. But at that time, I started getting more into like weirdo death metal and European stuff. Kind of, I was veering away from the, the power violence and grindcore a little bit, you know, more than I had been to in my teenage years. That's why I always go back to Explosions in Ward 6 because it came out right when all that power violence and grind stuff was hidden for me. Um,. And then I kind of watched Pig Destroyer become this huge worldwide relapse band and ever-expanding band. And I would go and I would see them live at festivals or when they came around Brooklyn more than I would keep up with their albums. Terrifier, I remember the guys from Buckshot Face of bringing that around when we when that came out. And I, was, I, I definitely heard that a lot. And like I, like I said, over the years, I'm a little more scattershot with, with sitting down and giving their albums like a whole, a whole spin just because of my relationship with Grindcore more, you know. 
And um and and I really enjoy Pig Destroyer live, man. So yeah, what what can you say, man? That's just my personal take on them, really. You know, one of those bands that I think I'm saving for. There's a lot of grindcore that's come out in the last 10, 15 years that I feel like I'm saving for a rainy day, maybe because with in terms of grindcore, I'm stuck in the past, very much so. I'm stuck in the 90s with death metal. I got to open ear with grindcore. There's something that's got to click inside me to really get reinvigorated for newer stuff. 17 years old is not old enough for Will. He's got to wait another year. <laughs> and then I'll get on terror. Marinate a little bit more. Thanks for the voicemail. Listen to yeah, it. Uh, thank you very much. Call again soon. <laughs> <laughs> Keep on calling. All right, we got another one. We got a few more. Ooh. Hey, guys. John from Portland, Oregon here. Uh, and... Um, of something that I just witnessed, I guess just experienced. Um, and a lot of people might not agree with me, but I don't care. Um, it's whenever you're listening to, and I'll just, multiple genres do this, but black metal, particularly certain death metal, when you're listening to something, it sounds fucking great, you know, fucking drums are going, bah, 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 you know, everything's doing its whole thing, the vocals, ah, you know. And then out of fucking nowhere, like a total fucking cock block, the fucking singing starts. I hate that shit. I fucking can't stand that shit. I'm sick of it. Hopefully someone else feels the same way because I think it's dumb. But keep sound. Anyways, love the podcast. Later. Uh, hey, bud. Thanks for the call. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm not going to scream my response right now because you hate clean vocals, which is what I'm going to say right now. Thank um, you for the call. <laughs> that, that was, yeah. I, you know, there's certain bands where it works and other bands where it doesn't. There was a, re- there was a thing in the late 90s. All right. Uh, you know, and I'm not going to keep aping this Finnish death metal book because it wasn't all Finnish bands, but there was a thing in the late 90s where a lot of ex black metal and death metal bands tried to do this kind of like goth rock, goth metal, European thing. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, Bullet time, Matrix metal. It yeah. just, yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it really turned me off to like uh, metal, death metal bands not doing death metal. <laughs> it's like, you know. Uh, it makes you really appreciate pertinence from Finland. That's all I'll say. Uh, but, um, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I know what you mean. There's certain bands. I feel like it's just got to be the right singer. There's just certain clean vocals that maybe, I'm not going to say they don't know how to sing or they yeah. don't have a voice, but in the I think my, maybe I'm just too spoiled on harsh vocals constantly listening to death metal and black metal and grindcore every day that when I hear something and i'm not already listening to like grim reaper or iron maiden or whatever or queensrike when i hear those clean vocals i'm like no if i'm not ready for it dude if it's good it's good like that's my take on it if it's good you know and it's good it works and if it's not then listen to something else uh i, I actually I, I i was a stan for sarah jezebel diva and torn between two worlds new material yeah there you go well that's she, clean she, you know that is mostly clean you know that's it's well she's a, that's what she does yeah she's, she's a, a clean she's singer a professional she's, clean singer. Yeah, yeah so it's yeah. a little different i mean yeah. but she got her start in cradle of filth 
um, and and other bands where she kind of was doing the Beauty and the Beast thing, offsetting a harsh vocalist. Mm-hmm. And you know, Cradle of Filth for you know for all the the you know I'm not, I don't think I knock them that bad, but they're not no. a band I listen to they're that no, much. Yeah, no if anything, I know more yeah. about other projects that that she was involved in than Cradle of Filth. But listen, the, the, my whole point being. Yeah. They didn't do the clean vocal thing as bad as other bands I've ha- I've heard where it didn't work out. Some, something that's that irks me way more than clean vocals nowadays is the pitched singing, uh, pitched screaming that's been going on in a lot of like uh, death metal, prog metal, uh, uh, new napalm, uh, death kind of deal. Like R- these, these like you know you're trying to like you're, you're trying to walk the line now where. Oh, it's not clean singing because we're yelling like this. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah you're it's, right. You know, it's it's uh, you know, I love you guys, but it's it's that fit for an autopsy shit. It's that uh, uh, cow decapitation. Yeah, they that's made right, it not real napalm, big. Not napalm. Sorry, cow well, decapitation. Yeah, yeah. That's the, you're right. That's the, that is uh, stop that, please. You're not well. All right. <laughs> Cattle decapitation, <laughs> I got to say what Travis did, I wouldn't lump that in with the kind of what a lot of other death really? bands are doing. I The way he does it, and it has a weird kind of shrill black metal well, he's vibe. He's an exceptional talent. Like, so, yeah, so maybe like, you know, some extra kind of thing he's, to he's, it. He's, he is doing a kind of yell-sing thing, yeah. but the way he does it, it doesn't sound as produced and kind of commercialized. You know, it doesn't sound like he's trying to lamb a god himself. It sounds more like he's trying to maybe make this, like, weird offsetting, like, I don't know, in, in, in dark industrial meets black metal voice. Yeah, you but, know? He's, but I think, like, uh, time and place plays a lot of uh, yeah. a lot into that, and it's absolutely, like... Uh, He's one of the better ones for sure, but it's lumped in with all the other. It's, just, it's like you. what's going on right you. now. I hear um, you. I and hear you know, you. like I didn't, you know, when I said stop doing it, don't uh, do uh, ah, do what your heart says. Uh, no, no, stop. Li- stop. Live, live your life, fish no your more. way. You know what I mean? Like do your. You know, do your you know who did that really well though? That nobody likes to talk about it, especially on this podcast here with our deep cuts. Ooh, Alexi Lyhoff, Children of Bodom. He did that yes. really well. You barely hear claps he ne- on the podcast. He never did clean singing, but he did like this pitched, like strange, like hitting the notes. Where it was like eh, still like kind of black metal, but like hitting the notes as he was going up, like Bart Simpson singing or something. Marge Simpson singing, like. But it was always their thing. You know, it, it was, was like, introduced like a few albums in, but he just did it. Well. Okay, yeah, you're right. It doesn't, but like when they did it, it didn't seem so juxta- uh, juxtaposed as what I feel like now. This is the replacement to a band having a clean singer. It's having your, uh, you know, bearded, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you know, well-groomed or maybe not well-groomed man. It's always uh, a bass player rasping it up, you know, revving his motorcycle over, you know, what I mean, like you know, over the thing. And uh, the bass player always I'm does the it. clean vocal part. Back to what the caller was saying, Joe John from Portland here. He was saying like that. It's always the fucking bass player. Oh, like your Azalea Dying's, which is my favorite back in the day. I mean, I'm trying to think of a good example because I like I can hear it in my head and I don't like it, but I can't like pick a band like all the metalcore shit. The bass player always did the clean singing. Yeah, you know, and there was that one Dimmu Borg. I mean, Dimmu Borg, Garen Cradle of Filth, like that style of theatrical metal. Like you just whatever, whatever they do is what they do. It's find, not like yeah, find you a bass player like John Gallagher did, where he also does the clean singing. Yeah, that's a good. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I hear what you're saying, John. I I don't have an example. I wish I could play an example, but 
Shut up. If you're not a great singer yeah. and you weren't doing it already, goof. What's that song where it's like, this distance? Oh, that's the this. Kill Switch? Yeah, that's I, yeah. They, they did song. it there. That's fun. Will, can you think of any bands that do this like that, like traditionally were death metal and then have this? Um, uh, not not really. I'm tr- like, it's it's tough to think about, man. I mean, if you want to get into like, was John Tardy doing some variation of that? I don't mm. think so. It's a different thing. Like, I, I not. I don't know, dude. He was always screaming. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, there was vocalists that emitted different ranges and emotional kind of like inflections. But I, you know, it seems to me like it's more a product of the kind of like. The, the metalcore scene getting more into like the dramatic metal like like that kind of like fused TV pocket where you can wear an Iron Maiden shirt and be a member of like Lamb of God kind of thing people right. not might not know what fused TV is even or yeah well you know what it's just kind yeah. of like that really commercialized metal market where all the bands play like either new metal or really simple metalcore, but they all like hold up old school metal as the greatest thing ever. Right, yeah. yeah Even though like yeah. they don't really reflect that in yeah. their music at all. It's yeah. a weird it's yeah. a weird vibe. They, it's it's like the Ozfest vibe where they all you know They all have uh, beard oil endorsements. It's like it's, that kind of band. Like every band is like, Yeah, Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden and but then like when you listen to them it's just it's like, like bodies hit the It's like that it's like weird like there's a disconnect to what they actually sound like. I don't know. Right. But yeah, that's that's yeah, I it's, don't know, man. It's real. I've heard it before. Maybe I just turn it off so quick. <laughs> that's why we can't like I did, we, we don't like, get to the dynamic uh, Steve Harris the, uh, Iron Maiden part, right? Yeah, it's just like ah, ah, ah turn <laughs> yeah. it off. There's a guy singing baritone or something. So yeah, clean vocals, definitely in extreme music, a um uh, a hit or miss thing, I think. It can be a real turn off. Depends on what the girl likes. Okay. Yeah, Whoa. Yeah, real fucking turn on. Okay, so we thank you for calling in with your voicemails. We're addressing these important concerns and topics in underground metal culture, um, and in the Poconos with the the um, the polyester with the vomit on it. Shout to Tone Baldon. I hope things look up, kid. Um, good taste in music there. But uh, another person <laughs> with excellent, outstanding taste in music. Old school Mike Zancelli. Uh, A.K.A. Zanchel Dog uh, in private circles. We appreciate his time tonight. We appreciate him allowing us to call him up in his cult uh, underground lair of metal mm-hmm. and discuss uh, the new events going on in the land of Dimension On, man. I really do enjoy that album. It's really interesting, man. You should give it a spin. Um, and uh, again, like we said, we've got a whole other episode with him from back in the day. I'm not going to beat it to death. Peep it or don't. Um, either way, you can also go and peep other content if you support Heavy Hole Podcast on Patreon. Um, maybe you want to be part of the content. Maybe you want to just give us your time, leave a voicemail like these fine folks just did. It's all there on heavyholepodcast.com. You can get all the information, but in case you're lazy, Tom, do you happen to have that number? Mm, 631-837-3274. Oh, that's nice. So call up. Let us know what your complaint is. You don't like me. You don't like something going on in metal. I don't know. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Who cares? You know, there's yeah. a lot to talk about, and you can leave it on the voicemail. I just left uh, Patreon. We give those people attention. We like those people. They yeah. give yeah. us money. Yeah. What's not to like? What's the lowest amount of dollars you could probably give us on Patreon and still get some bonus content out of it? Two, but I'll say one. Yeah, you say one dollar. Uh, one dollar. <laughs> <laughs>